I drink your milkshake. You are listening to the Billionaire Podcast Network. It's a good. It's a good way to start things. It, it really is. It gets everybody in the room on the same page. Like, hello, greeting tours. I'm speaking to all of you. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why more comics don't have uh, some sort of opening catchphrase. Or... Well, I didn't mean for it to be that way. It's just you know that's just how people talk to each other in Louisiana. So. <laughs> yeah, but it was. It was. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't want to diminish it is well no it's not diminishing it at all like it's just like one of those things where i didn't think that i would have a catchphrase but i guess i kind of do like well, it's, kinda a, snuck it's, up on me. it's a unique opening line it's it's much better than just f- as you're fumbling with the mic going what's up everybody doing? <laughs> yo what's going on everybody you know yeah, who's, drink, who's like, drinking I- tonight yeah there's a lot of um there's a lot of power in, in staying quiet as you get yourself situated and then hitting them with a, a what's happening hose. <laughs> I don't know what else to do. I don't know any other way to address people. So that was fun. It was always good. Um but I don't I don't know what this I don't know what this show I mean maybe that's the name of this show is was that was happening hose. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck this is. Um, uh, yeah well I, I reached out to you and i mentioned doing something like this for the patreon mm-hmm. uh either regularly or semi-regularly or whatever it may be um and my my only reasoning for relegating it to the patreon would i just i don't i don't know like how much or how often you want to like expose yourself to the dregs of the internet that not very often but also people paying you they giving you money for this shit that's crazy yeah i got i got like i got like 50 patreon subscribers right now so i mean yeah there's y'all dumb <laughs> yeah. y'all could just, just pull up to a comedy show and just sit in the back and this exact same thing will happen <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
Well, yeah, I mean, there were people that were, like, on board with what I was doing before I, like, you know, started dying. Uh, So I've been... Spiraled into madness, yes. Yeah, so I've I've been able to just, like, start rebuilding all of that. Um, But it's a good note. No, I only ask because I'm... I am super uh, ignorant to these things. I've always... Like, I had a Patreon page that I never used because I had nothing to put on it because I don't really create content at all. So, you know, I just yeah. be wondering, people actually be paying y'all for this shit, for real? That's yeah. Crazy. It's embarrassing, but it's also where the money is. <laughs> How is it embarrassing? That's so cool that people actually want to, like, support you. No, 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 no. I, it's not embarrassing that people want to pay for this. No, that's awesome. The, <laughs> the amount of... Uh, soft shoe digital soft shoe that one has to do do in order to uh to sell this sort of thing is kind of there's an l i mean it's there's worse ways to make money for sure but um it it, could be showing your feet to weirdos for money that's on the page perfectly fine that's on the patreon yeah that's on the patreon uh yeah uh but yeah it's it just it's it's a lot of just like relentless marketing you know when we when the podcast i had before all this when when we were working with lewis j gomez in new york mm-hmm. he he gave us the rundown on how he operates where he's just promoting he, he's like i'm promoting things that are promoting things that are promoting like he's just in an endless cycle of promotion so it's it's like a time loop of some sort yeah, he's caught like in a causality loop or something. Like it just feels <laughs> like he's caught in a causal loop of marketing <laughs> and promoting podcasts. Cause he I mean, it's worked out for him. He's got a very successful podcast network and he's made a like career out of uh doing what he does, being racist on the internet. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. But he's he's Puerto Rican, so he can get away with it, I guess. I guess I don't know. This like island, the Latin island folks, they they kind of hate everybody, which is something to appreciate about them. Them and Filipinos, they just hate everybody, and I like yeah. that about that. Yeah, it's yeah, so, uh, whole islands of stink meaners. You know, just <laughs> everybody sucks, and the, the you know, true, I can't really do that. Either. The true hateocracy. Mm-hmm. I just did a I just did a binge watch. I just went back through and watched all of the Boondocks. Did you skip the last season because you very well could have? I I had never seen it, and yeah. I didn't know there was a fourth. I didn't know there was a fourth season, and then I watched it and I realized why I didn't know. <laughs> like, yeah, I didn't terrible. I didn't know that I, I guess like Aaron Magruder had had some falling out, and mm-hmm. he wasn't really involved. And, and slipped in depth, and uh, that was that. Yeah, and it wasn't that good because, like, I, you know, I, the, the show prior to that was pretty good about not being too heavy handed with what it was like parodying or satirizing. Like, it was its own thing. And then when they do like a straight up, like, Breaking Bad parody, I was like, that's not really what this show has ever been. Well, yeah, because, like, the, uh, my favorite episode is the one about LaMilton Tayshawn, the one that's basically a mashup of Juice and Halloween. Uh, yeah. the little like when Riley makes a friend who's a sociopath and he's insane. Yeah, where he's like, I like doing hood rat shit with my yeah, friends, like, which is also uh based on a true story about that one little boy, yeah. Terry and Milton. 
So like all those three things coming together to make that episode was just so, it was just so genius to me. Like you could connect all those things basically to say that this boy is pretty much a sociopath, no matter which way you slice it. Like this is a, a little tiny sociopathic kid and he may kill someone one day. It's fine. But it was still funny and it was still good. It wasn't just like completely ripping off Halloween or completely ripping off juice or anything like that. So Yeah. Yeah, it it always felt like uh, even when the show was like the show is a satire, the whole thing. Right. But it always it always felt like there was a lot of nuance and subtlety, even though the show was like very over the top. It like it did a, it always did like a really good job of like towing that line between like, like even with something like as over the top as the Martin Luther King episode, the one where he was in a yeah, coma and things that like yeah. which a lot of people I think especially like older black people had a problem with. They really did not like that episode because right. of the way they portrayed Martin Luther King. But for somebody like me, a millennial, when I think about Martin Luther King coming back to life, that's what I see. I see him being like, I can't stand none of these niggas in here. Y'all suck. <laughs> like, that's, that's what I see. Like he would hate everything. And like everything he sees would just make him want to cut somebody out. So yeah, I don't know. It just—I guess it really was made for a certain generation that resonated with it. Yeah, yeah, it was—it was good. And then I Magruder, I guess Magruder went crazy, or I, I don't know. He left, and well, I don't know. He had been writing the comic strip for years, and that's where I started getting into Boondocks way back in the day when he had a comic strip, which was even better than the cartoon, in my opinion. Uh, and I guess after doing it for so long and seeing what it was turning into, he was kind of like, eh. And what the network wanted to do with it and what they were trying to impose on him because he had offended certain people. Like he offended, uh, I forget, was it the CEO of BT and Tyler Perry, people like that, like really big deal black folks he had offended and they kind of wanted him to reel stuff in. He was like, nah, fuck it. I'll just leave and y'all do what y'all want with it. So, yeah, good for him. He's the, yeah, he's the... I, but I think that's what happened because I remember at the time I was at my most depressed and drinking props, possibly the heaviest. So <laughs> he's like the uh, the black Bill Waterson. You really, for me, he is like I used to. You have to read the comic strip. The comic strip is, I would have to say, almost even better than the actual show because they have certain characters in the comic strip. Like uh, Huey had a best friend, uh, Caesar. And Caesar was like my favorite part of the, the comic strip because he was like that middle ground between Huey and Riley. He was like directly right. And in the show, it was the the girl that was like the neighbor was sort of like uh, yeah. Guy. And she was in there too, Jasmine. She she was in there too, but she was uh more like a you know like a gag character, something to be kind of made fun of. But Caesar was basically like a balancing character, but he yeah. had like great lines and stuff. So, you know, like, if you never have read the actual Boondocks comic strip, I suggest that, that you I'll check it out. Thing. Do you follow oh. Gary Anthony Williams on TikTok? I do not, but that's one hilarious Negro right there. <laughs> I love that man. His, uh, a lot of his TikTok feed, like his online presence, is still just doing Uncle Ruckus. Well, because it's a perfect character. Yeah. <laughs> you really perfected Uncle Ruckus. You can't do Uncle Ruckus better than that. Oh no, he's he's amazing. Yeah, I'll just I'll just scroll through his TikTok and just watch him doing Uncle Ruckus in real life. He'll just be sitting in his home studio. But I have seen it though. I like I have seen him do Uncle Ruckus. 
just in regular life. I was speaking of Gary Anthony Williams. Uh, I have, uh, you know, I had a moment, uh, a stretch of time when I was nostalgic for my youth, uh, in which I was re- revisiting the uh, the films of my youth, and I I went back and re- recently rewatched um, Undercover Brother. Oh, that's the good one. The first and one. I didn't like the second one, really. There's a second one? Yeah, there's an Undercover Brother too. I did not know that. I'm not as big a fan as Undercover Brother too, but I love the first one. Yeah, I, I rewatched Undercover Brother and I was like, this this is a this is a perfect this is Black Austin Powers. This is amazing. <laughs> it really is. It was, yeah. It was dope. That was it was uh it was a golden era in black cinema where we could love all of those people and yeah, feel good about it. Such a funny movie, and and he like he's Dave great. Chappelle in it and Eddie Griffin, like when they were really really funny, like at the like at the peak. Oh yeah, know, before they both like lost their minds in different ways. <laughs> so <laughs> did I tell you, did I tell you, I saw like the the clip of Eddie Griffin I saw recently. I don't know if this was from a special or what, but it's just him telling the like the truth about the pyramids. It was like, it was so, it's like, he's literally just doing like Hotep stuff on stage where he's like, see, the thing about the pyramids is underneath the pyramid is an inverted pyramid. So it's really a diamond. And and he's talking about like sand. And where did did you study archaeology? Yeah. I, 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 he, and he's saying it with such confidence that I'm like, is this like real? you know, like you yeah, really but, know. Like I'm watching it, going, I, d- I didn't know about the under the underground pyramid. <laughs> I was like, I guess it may, I guess it checks out. But it, so many people that I have admired in my youth have gone that way. Now they're talking about underground pyramids and chicks. They're talking about you know, uh, just you know, any any level of hotepness about how women not supposed to get periods and stuff. Just <laughs> just crazy shit that you need a degree to even broach the subject that they find themselves suddenly to be experts on. Because they watch oh, yeah. like videos. That's Cat Cat Williams is kind of doing it right now, but he's like weirdly I don't know if weirdly is the right word. He he's deceptively smart. Well, he like, is, and that's the thing about somebody like Cat Williams. He is really a uh, a smart dude, but he's, he's a little nuts, and that's yeah, okay. But I've seen him. I've seen him in more like subdued environments, like when he did that Larry King show, mm-hmm. and he's like very thoughtful and like waits to speak. You know, he's yeah. he's not just like bouncing all over the place like he is on stage, and he's he's like very smart. It, it's it's like mm-hmm. a really interesting like. Just the difference between who he is, I, I guess, in real life versus his like persona as a comedian, and and so like I don't know to what extent he's doing like hotepness on stage, but I saw something from his current tour right now is called the Dark Matter Tour, mm-hmm. and, and so I saw something where he was saying he was saying something like, so you know they say that the the universe as we know it, what they've observed is only five percent of the universe. And, and he's like, and then everything outside of that, what do they call it? Dark matter. That's what the scientists call it. They call it dark matter because they're afraid to say what it really is. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. 
Uh, I would love it if you did that impression of Cat Williams for Cat Williams one day. Now, um, <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, I I do understand that you know people kind of reach you know beyond their own understanding in these things because of like they feel some type of spiritual connection to to whatever they think and like they feel like it comes from a spiritual place a very like deep introspective place where it gives them understanding of like the cosmos and the mysteries of the universe you know at maybe one one too many acid trips i don't know what causes it but old black men, they tend they tend to go this way. It's very, it's a yeah. very delicate balance. Because Paul Mooney, as he got older, I mean, at toward the end of his life, he probably shouldn't have been on stage because he was much just less and less coherent with every passing day. But he got very much into the it, it was less satirical and less, you know, poking fun than it used to be, because he always spoke about the like racism like that was like his thing that he talked about a lot and he always made good points but they were always funny but as he got further along he was basically just you know railing about racism and you know who in hollywood was sucking whose dick and all this other stuff he was <laughs> it was him <laughs> never mind that <laughs> never, never mind whose dick he was sucking but yeah it's just you know they and Dave Chappelle, now he's just kind of like waxing poetic about all of what he thinks now. It's just... Yeah. It's regulated. Which is why I love Eddie Murphy, because Eddie Murphy had enough sense to shut the fuck up. Eddie Murphy said, you know what? I don't need to be holding the mic for an hour no more, and that's okay. I don't have to do this. Yeah, well, I, you know, I talked about this with uh, the fellas, with a lot of people, that the the I guess like the 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 comedian's paradox, uh, mm-hmm. where the, it's like this inverse thing that happens where er, early in a comedian's career, and you, we've seen that with so many people where when they're like struggling and starving and broke, it, they're yeah. like hilarious, and then right. as they accumulate more like wealth and success and notoriety, they they become more and more detached from. I guess humanity itself and from what oh, like I'm really out of touch. Yeah, they become out of yeah. touch and they start like getting too far kind of like too far up their own asses. And That's so true. yeah, they think like just talking, you know, on stage for an hour is just a real treat for everybody just to see this person say something for an hour. Um and there's 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 few that have managed to even as they've achieved immense wealth and success maintain any semblance of relatability and and humor a lot of a lot of comics like when they get when they get as successful as Chappelle has yeah they they kind of lose that um that fire that spark and you got too much money you got too much money people don't want to listen to you talk you one of the rich motherfuckers now we don't want to hear you you and that's that's why I, I think for like comedians there's a lot of nobility and you know either bowing out or uh keeping things closer to the vest like you know tosh disappeared for a long time and he's only recently good yeah he's only recently popped his head back up but in terms of well, like pop it right the fuck back down as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but that's just that's just me okay. yeah but you know you know what i mean like um you know 
they always say leave them wanting more. Uh, you know, don't don't put don't do too much. Uh, Which is what Eddie Murphy did, but that's because Eddie Murphy got caught with that trans girl, and I think that was like that was his revelation of like, yeah, let me get out the spotlight because they really paying attention to what the fuck I'm doing. So yeah, <laughs> but um, still, you have to know, you have to know, and like with Cam Williams and Kevin Hart and all this other stuff, like too much visibility is a bad thing. It just always is. Yeah, it never works in anybody's favor. It just never does. And I think so, it's perfectly acceptable that to, I think if you get there's a there's a good chance that if you get re, like really successful, you become like too famous really to be a stand up comedian anymore, and then okay. just tra- just transition to acting. You know, all right, or get like behind the camera, like you belong behind the camera now. Like you have enough insights, and maybe you could write, you could direct, produce, whatever. But yeah. you don't need to be in front of the camera nearly as much. Acting, sure. But stand-up is is a medium of the people. It is really like an everyman type of thing. People really want to go and hear something that they can relate to personally. Yeah. Like, I remember I watched the that most recent Chris Rock special, or parts of it. It was pretty bad. But he had this whole chunk about Lululemon yoga pants and how they were too expensive and he's like they hate poor people or whatever and i'm like like i don't think you wrote this i don't think you have any concept of what anyone can or can't afford anyway like i like you're like duping this audience into thinking like that you can relate to them and that they can't afford lululemon pants but you could buy you probably just buy the company you know yeah, you probably own a little women. And Chris Rock is one of those comedians who I at least feel like held on a little longer or a little better as far as stand-up comedy because he had less of an issue of always having to say something in the public. Like, you didn't see Chris Rock doing a lot of shit and being in the mix, which helps. Well, he was always more meticulous, and he would, hi- he would like, yeah. hire people to help him, like, work on stuff. Right. And and that's the best thing to do at that level. Like him writing jokes, like I don't want to really hear you write jokes no more, Chris Rock. We we get it. You had a hot wife, y'all got a divorce, whatever. Now you fuck <laughs> hot young girls, whatever. Hell like, yeah. Just, <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Congratulations, Chris Rock. Just you mean. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I I guess at the end of the day, stand up is just embarrassing. That's what it is. It can mm-hmm. be. <laughs> I just, I, I just, and I don't speak on it as though I'm immune from it or it could never happen to me if I ever did get to that level. But I would hope that I would have enough sense to shut the fuck up, which the women usually do. Monique hasn't figured it out quite yet. But the women <laughs> usually, they learn how to be quiet and they learn how to say, you know what, I could chill. Because Wanda Sykes, she don't need to be doing stand-up like talking about, you know, Aisha Tyler and them. Like, they don't really be doing stand-up for real, for real. And I can appreciate that because you could be doing other things that are more advantageous to you than, you know, telling us what you think about, I don't know. Like, we don't want to hear you turn into, like, a reverse misogynist. Like, we don't want to hear that. Like, it's just, you know, y'all women, y'all be some hoes. I'm like, okay. Like, all right. Like, I don't want to hear that. I don't uh, want to hear that from y'all. I don't want to hear respectability politics out of Monique one day. Like I'm, I'm not interested in that. So, speaking of, Lunell um, was still funny as fuck. Though Lunell was still hilarious, but Lunell got a little bit of struggle in us 
still. Like Lunell's Lunell, still, Lunell is very good. Yeah, she's still hilarious. Like she, she never slipped. But everybody can't do it and like that. Lunell and there's a weird thing that happened. Uh, this is another like weird paradox that can happen sometimes with uh, urban acts. <laughs> You mean black people? Sure, let's go. <laughs> what, what, let's co- what, what comedy clubs on a, on a Tuesday would call urban night? Urban, uh, uh, like, I hate that. So it's an urban room. You mean, you mean black folk? Okay. Uh, I know what that means. You don't have to hit me with the urban. Um, I'm not urban. But I'm from the bodies in the swamps. So. You, see, you see this every now and then, and, and this, this is like the most prominent example now, but like, Miss Pat is very funny, but... She, her, it looks like her audience, something weird happened where her audience is predominantly like white guys. Hmm. I think that (laughs) I heard, I heard her say that once that like, she really does well with like white boys. (laughs) And I can relate. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'm just shocked that we have that in common. Yeah. Well, I th- I, yeah, there, there's like a special sauce that can happen every now and then where like um, a, a black comedian can like disarm a white audience and make them comfortable and then also make them feel like that they're like getting in on the black experience in a way that they that, that has been forbidden to them, you know, <laughs> that they, they, fi- they finally know what it's like to be cool for a moment for a moment. <laughs> I think they pulled up at a jazz performance in Harlem in the 1940s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. So they it's, don't have any sheet music. They're just playing. No. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's like all all the like white Jewish guys in New York that are like really into like Kanye and, and mm-hmm. you know all the the like hip hop scene like you know all the rap reports out there. Well, they weren't into Kanye. I don't think they are anymore. <laughs> oh yeah, the, I, yeah. I guess the Jews are not in the Kanye anymore. I forgot about that. He's he's been he's all over the map. I always forget. I his his life and career has been so storied and fraught that I I always forget about the rampant anti anti semitism. Yeah, it's easy to kind of slip under the rug, especially when he's quiet for a long time. Like I haven't heard him saying anything in some yeah. months, so it's easy to forget that he's a well. Apparently, <laughs> apparently now. He married like that that Kardashian doppelganger lady, and yeah, apparently... I don't know what she is. I, she just looks so generic to me. She looks like any model USA, like just off the line. Yeah, and apparently he's face. There's like some trouble he's getting with that, where like her friends and family are like concerned about her well being, and oh, they're, you don't they're... say. Yeah, and they're <laughs> they're trying to like get her to like separate at least for a little, you know, a couple weeks spend some time away from Kanye because he's been just like too controlling and demanding of her. Because he's crazy. He's he is, he's got he is crazy. <laughs> I mean, you know, gen- genius <laughs> often comes at a price. <laughs> sure. Sure. At the cost of at the cost of one sanity, I get it. But at the same time, he's crazy and he should be by himself. So. Sure. Sure, but I, I mean, don't know why anyone would want to like. I, well, I know why a woman would, because it's Kanye West. You want the the celebrity, you want the clout, you want the access and stuff. But is it really worth it, girl? Yeah, I don't is know. It really worth it? I don't think so. I think Kim told us that it's not. But, but yeah, I just wish uh rich crazy people would shut up. 
you're not, you're not as smart as you think you are. You don't make as much sense as you think you do, babe. Um, no, yeah, rich rich people are often, especially in entertainment. Like, there was some lady online recently. I think it was like a TikTok or something. This lady who works in PR or she does something in the entertainment industry behind the scenes, and she made like a PSA to let people know, like, hey, just so you know, most celebrities are really stupid. <laughs> she was saying. I just hope everyone understands that. And they don't. They don't. They don't understand. Yeah, she was like, these people cannot like form a sentence, let alone have like nuanced opinions about geopolitics. So take what they say with a grain of salt. Please, please, like we, we must not take their their political or psychological or any type of advice whatsoever from a celebrity. Just because you see them a lot doesn't make them smarter than you or or uh knowledgeable in any way just because you see them all the time right uh, but that whole thing about celebrity all has always grossed me out like the whole notion of celebrity itself is disgusting to me and i wish people were less concerned about what other people do because it's one thing to like uh love somebody's work right like me i am uh in love with andre 3000 like it's just a thing and you know but I do not feel like he can do no wrong. I'm not obsessed with the details of his life. I'm not about to look at whatever he does and emulate it or whatever the fuck. You know what I'm he saying? He seems like, like a pretty private guy anyway, so. But even still, but even if he wasn't, or like the way people are about Beyonce, like they just like Beyonce, like they're just, you know, vibrating in her presence. And I, I just don't get it because, you know, Beyonce got her thing, you know what I'm saying? She's doing what she does, and, you know, we enjoy it. We love to see it. But she's still just a human being that's very good at, you know, music and performing and dancing. Like, she's talented, yes, but... I think I, I would enjoy a Beyonce concert. It was amazing. Like, it was one of the best things I've ever seen in my entire life. And and I'm not one given to hyperbole. Uh, so I've, I've often said that the, the best Austin Powers movie is Goldmember. Is it Goldmember? It's Goldmember for sure. Goldmember is where all the that that's where everything comes together. And, Thank and, you. It's very interesting. I do like Goldmember. Goldmember, they definitely pulled out all the stops because that's the third one, right? Yes. That's okay. the one with is her and Michael Caine. Yeah, you know, Michael Caine can do no wrong, I guess. Uh, but Gold, Goldmember is just like pure, uncut silly. It's such a, it's yeah. a, yeah, like we. That was the one that they threw all the, uh, that was the rocket that was shaped like a dick. Was it that, that was in all, that was in all of them. That was in all of them. It was all of them, but they made the most jokes about it. Like they have the longest cut of. Yeah. And, but yeah, Gold, I've, I've, I've often, yeah, I've said Goldmember is the best one and she's great in it. Yeah, she was. She was really good at it. She was a, she was a lot of fun. But it's just like the obsession, obsession that people have with a person, just because you really love their work. And I don't understand how they aren't able to separate themselves from that. Like, why are you so invested in Beyonce as a person? Yeah, yeah. Just listen to them, enjoy, go to the concert, or whatever. But calm down. Tone the fuck down. We don't need to know everything about her life. We don't need to know, you know, and she's another one that's a very private person, but it's just the way that people get so invested in the lives of another person that they don't know, that doesn't know them. You know, you don't really know them. You just know their work. 
you have no sure. idea who this person is beneath the surface. So why are you so uh, just sh- certain that this is a good person? And then when we find out they're not, like Kanye, like Dave Chappelle, like all this, like everybody's heart is broken. It's like, this is a human being. What do you expect? They go do fucked up shit. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, they're all human. It's also, it's it's interesting when you're not just meeting a celebrity, but spending an extended amount of time with the celebrity like because that's that's like a common thing that can happen in new york and so i i remember sitting at like a table in a comedy club with like pretty successful like famous people and then you just you see them almost almost like those old like tabloids we would see in the in the grocery store that was it would be like a picture of brad pitt with a shopping basket looking for produce and it would be like you know celebrities they're just like us and it's like when you are sitting with a celebrity and they're just like thumbing through instagram on their phone going this is fucking bullshit (laughs) they're just like hooked on their phone the same like it really yeah like there's there's not a lot of difference it's just they got they either got lucky or they're really talented i don't know i don't know what it but in real life like that's the thing in real life that every bit is boring and ridiculous and then sometimes they weird as fuck like sometimes to be a certain level of celebrity you got to be a weirdo because you have to think outside the box in a lot of different ways like i wouldn't want i don't know that i could sit in the same room with erica badu or just hold a conversation as much as i love her music i don't know if i could keep <laughs> no, doing that... erica badu like that okay, yeah that, just... that would be in, that would be intimidating and it would also probably just be weird that's what I'm saying. It would just be weird as fuck to me. Like, I'd probably just be sitting there like, okay, girl. Um, Well, <laughs> good talk. I don't know what you just said for the past 30 minutes, rambling on about space and shit. But whatever. <laughs> whatever, girl. <laughs> it's, so it's just one of those things. Like, just because you like their work doesn't mean that you would necessarily like them as a person. And, sure. and there has to be the level of discernment sometimes. <laughs> and this person is not infallible because you like their work like okay we get it they're very attractive or they're very talented that's that's fine but this is still a gross disgusting human being let's all keep it <laughs> and celebrity culture is just odd because it it's it's gotten so much more um i guess like ubiquitous over the years like it used to be closed off like there used to be like right, the, right. the glitz and glamour of tinseltown and you would you would see like very curated uh images and, and snapshots of these people's like personal lives but most of what you saw any of them was just like their work and now that the curtain's been pulled back a lot on a lot of these people and we just have like unfettered access to a lot of their just like innermost thoughts well because <laughs> and, I, just like you said just like us they can't put their fucking phones down like they yeah. can't to just shut up and put their phones down like you don't have to go live every day yeah, I saw I saw that there's people there's people upset that Taylor Swift has not made any statement at all about Israel and Palestine. And I'm like, why why should she? <laughs> why is that her responsibility? Uh like is she some type of uh attache to the government? Like what do you yeah. is she a diplomat, a foreign diplomat? Is she involved in foreign policy in any way for the United States of America? No, I think is it would be. Da- I've I've said this before. I think it would be dangerous if she said exactly. anything. She's she's like too, too famous and too powerful that anything she says will get dissected to the and, and like interpreted by all like so many different people, 
in ways that would like have drastic implications on geopolitics. And, and not, not only that, it's just that, as I've said, you know, the, the point that I've been belaboring for the past 10 minutes, people put too much stock in what celebrities say. They just do. And a lot of people who may not know what's going on in Palestine and Israel, but know Taylor Swift, will take whatever she's saying and run with. Yeah. Ignorant. Well, that's but that's all there is now, because like nobody wants to hear an actual scholar talk. Like nobody's right. nobody's tuning in to watch Noam Chomsky or uh, like Norman Finkelstein or Richard Wolf. <laughs> His name is Finkelstein, first of all. Like, Finkelstein. He dude, he he rocks. He's a character. <laughs> I'm I'm I've, I'm not uh, familiar with his work. Of course, he, Noam Chomsky is my nigga, but Finkelstein Fing, not... is the, the he's the son of Holocaust survivors, so he's very <laughs> he's very Jewish. But his whole life, he's been very pro Palestine, and uh, his most of his body of work has been advocating for like ending the occupation in. in gaza and like liberating palestine and he he was on the forefront he's like gotten he's lost jobs at like colleges he's like fucked up his career because early on like years ago when this was not uh, a popular opinion to have uh mm-hmm. he was going on like dershowitz like alan dershowitz's radio show okay. and talking talking about how the israelis were weaponizing their their own victim status as mm-hmm. Jews to then do their own version of uh, um, like a, a concentration camp. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he he like yeah. And so then he loses his job. He gets blacklisted from everything. To where now it's kind of it does kind of suck that it's like now he has to go on like the Jimmy Dore podcast to get the word out. <laughs> well well when it comes to such uh and I'm not even going to call it uh, a necessarily a delicate matter as the Israeli-Palestine thing, but just such a, a fraught matter that has such a deep history and a, a long history that's complicated and complex and people don't even really know what's been going on that's led up to these events. It's not really well known what the conflict is between Israel and Palestine. So for that reason... I understand people not wanting to get involved at all or not wanting to have an opinion at all because it's just so much to untangle. Oh, sure. For somebody to, act, for act, I, for somebody to actually really have a galvanized opinion about it. Yeah, I was just saying that there are actual scholars out there on many different right, subjects. But that's what I'm saying, that, which is my point. There are people who have studied this complicated issue, and those yeah. are people who should be listening to. We shouldn't be looking at Taylor fucking Swift and asking her, well, what do you think? Girl, fuck you. What like who who gives a damn what Taylor Swift yeah. thinks? People are mad it's, at like people have been upset at like Megan the Stallion, just anybody with a, a huge platform who has not said anything about the Israeli Palestinian conflict and their fans are like, Well, you have a platform and it's not really responsible for you to not even use it to make a statement. These people don't have a history degree. Like what do you, they don't know what the fuck is going on. And the best thing for them to do, the most advantageous thing for them to do, especially for their career and their image, is to not say shit. Yeah, for sure. 
just don't say nothing. I don't really say much on it. Like, I'm not a public figure, but I'm not about to sit up here and act like I know everything that's going on between Israeli, the Israeli conflict and the Palestinian conflict. Oh, I, I, do I, know, I do know that I'm not down with people getting killed for no reason. I just hate war in general. Like, that's really my take on it. War in general is fucked up. I don't like war either. It's, it's uh, good for nothing, is what I it, say. That's Absolutely. my thing. They got a whole bunch of rich motherfuckers who are benefiting from this, and the people who are dying are just literal pawns, just getting sw- swept off the board every fucking day. Yeah, so I'm certainly, I'm certainly unqualified to talk on any of this because it wasn't, it wasn't until the the whole October seventh thing that I bothered to do any reading, and I didn't like I didn't find out until October of this year that. The state of Israel as we know it has only existed since like 1948. 1945. Yeah, 1948. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh, I thought and it I was. Like, I know stuff like that previously, and I understand how, you know, Israel has slowly but surely been, you know, just pushing the Palestinian people out of their own homes. I do know that. Yeah. Um, like, I, like that has been going on over a long period of time. They keep telling them, oh, well, you can have this. And then they move them out of there. Oh, well, you can have this over here. It's, it reminds me a lot of what the Americans did to the Native Americans. Like the colonizers, what they did to the Native Americans is very similar. Sure. And the Palestinians don't even have casinos. You know, they're not even getting trailer parks and liquor problems. So, <laughs> Well, liquor is haram. You know, so that's... It's just one of those things where when I look at it, I see something that looks very familiar to me as an American. Sure. And and it looks fucked up uh, on behalf. And then just, you know, you, you carpet bombing just in a, a huge area. There's no there's no tactical type of, uh, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's really no tactical uh, type of approach to it. It's like you just completely bombing an entire region that's full of civilians. Doesn't carpet carpet bombing sound more sexual than it is? I mean, I, it it is a little bit like, hmm. like <laughs> Sounds, it was, it's yeah, like you nutting up the floor. It's like you know the. It's like when you you pull on the carpet. You, you pull out and bust on her pubes, and that's carpet <laughs> bombing. <laughs> oh goddamn! Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Every time somebody says that on the news, I'm gonna have a disgusting thought. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it just seems like you know that there's no there's no strategy in place. Y'all are not doing anything as far as it doesn't seem like the Israeli government is their military. You're not doing anything tactical, strategic. There's no actual you know investigative work going into actually finding out where Hamas is. You just bombing everything. Until they come out. This is not a fucking ant pile that you try to get rid of. These are human yeah. beings. Well, there I just found out recently their military has it's like very uh officer heavy. Like their military has a lot of officers. And a lot too of those many cooks people, are too many too many of chefs, not enough cooks or whatever. I guess yeah, I guess so. I get like they, they move they have like a lot of people they move up the ranks to the rank like officer rank. So it's just a, it's an officer heavy military and a lot of those officers are like 19, 20, 21 years old. So it, it is kind of like this really strange, just unqualified military <laughs> kind of. I don't know. Yeah, it's I don't like know. Sell, it sounds like they're selling dope in the 80s. That's what it sounds, it sounds like. You got a lot of dope boys that moved up to be in generals real quick. 
Yeah, I don't know much. I I I'm truly like mostly uninformed. I mean, I just know that like the people the people in my life that I've met who went on birthright and have like this strong connection to Israel. I just know that their relationship with Israel and the way they felt about it and having conversations with them but Israel was always very fucking weird. It was always like they were normal in every other regard except when it came to Israel. And but isn't that the, but that's the case for like any religious zealot. Like those people in anybody like that who's like a hard Bible thumper, you know what I'm saying? Like those real just super religious people like they take the Bible literally. People like that. They always will be weird to me. Sure. No matter what the religion is, just if you're taking it literal, you're taking it as though this is literally directing every aspect of your life and you believe it without question, you know, without any type of introspection at all. You just take it as gospel, literally. You just. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, it sinks its hooks in a weird way because, like, these are very secular people, except for when it comes to, like, their, like, whatever, whatever their relationship is with Judaism and Israel. Like, they still hold on to that, whereas, like, a lot of people that grew up with religion who go out into the world uh, become, like, secularized and yeah. understand that, like, that, you know, there's this, like, you can't you can't be, like, Christian and also be, like, gay and trans and sucking and fucking all the time. Like, it's one or the other. You know, you gotta uh, pick your poison. And I chose sucking and fucking. Sure. That's what I, that's the side of the line that I'm on. Uh, yeah, I've I've met I've met like hardcore uh like Zionist people who did the birthright thing and all that. And in every other regard, every other aspect of their life, they're sucking and fucking. But then when it comes to Israel, it, it, you know, it's like Baruch Atai, I don't know. Like they get into it. Oh. <laughs> but it's almost like it, it's like an indoctrination of some sort. It's almost like a cult like situation. It's well, not yeah, even that's... that makes sense. That's what birthright is. It's just like yeah. more Israel. It's Israeli propaganda. It's like, which I, to me seems obvious. It's like, what you're telling me there's an all expenses paid trip to Israel, paid for by the Israeli government. Like this seems like you don't think that's kind of suspicious, <laughs> right? You know, it's because everybody they always tell you it's like. Well, no, they, they, they just want you to, like, get a better idea of, like, where you come from and who your people are. And I'm like, you're from Queens, dude. And you're, and you're tasty. You're not, from, you're not from Africa. Yeah, that's, that's not, that's not where you're from, dude. Yeah. Because, like, by, by that same... Closer, a little closer to, like, Poland, aren't they? Like, isn't that where yeah. your people come from? By that same logic, like, I was, because, like, me and Jamie... I've been doing this Bible show. We were we were reading the book of Genesis and like in the first or second chapter, it mentions that one of the rivers that leads out of the Garden of Eden goes into Ethiopia. And mm -hmm. so so it's like, you know, by that by that same token of, of like, OK, there's birthright to Israel. Then like for Christians, we should get like a birthright to like Ethiopia or Ethiopia. something. Like, right. That's yeah. what I'm saying. And, and I don't believe that if there's a such thing as a creator god if, if there is a such thing as as a being that that looks down upon us all and smiles and that has made us all to be here and exist on this planet i have a a serious feeling like a strong strong sense that that creator god would not want us fighting over stupid shit like this like no. i feel like 
<laughs> I feel like that's like exactly not the point of whatever your religion is. Well, the you know, the Jew God, the, the God of the Old Testament was a very jealous, vengeful, and wrathful, spiteful God. Yeah, wrathful. Yeah. Uh, and then he, yeah, he, he's, was, he was rough. Yeah, and he <laughs> softened up in the New Testament. Well, because he had a child out of wedlock. True. And uh, that, Father, that kinda... Fatherhood usually softens a man up. Is, well, no, is... he had to watch another man raise this child, and that made him feel a certain type of way. <laughs> you didn't do nothing for the boy all his life. And now you're getting reflective. Like, well, maybe yeah. I was living my life wrong. You know what I'm saying? Spiting and, and you know what I'm saying? And and smiting motherfuckers. Yeah. So. I, yeah. I don't, you know, who know who knows what's actually going on? Um, but yeah, I just I just find that uh, any religion that where, where you can find a way to justify killing other people and fighting over something as stupid as what land belongs to who you you really don't believe in God. You can't. You can't. Yeah, I, I don't know what mental gymnastics they're doing to justify this much like brutality and and all of that. Like, it's just not right. It's yeah, just, but I I, exper- I experienced it when I was a kid. Like right after nine eleven, it was like, well, you know, God wants us to go to Iraq and kill all the all the Iraqis and all the Arabs just. Damn yeah. if they even Iraq is if they got a rag on their head, goddamn it, shoot them, shoot them. But I never really got swept up in that. And and I guess for me as a black person, I'm not able to. First of all, I don't trust nothing a white man say. If the white folks say shoot them, I'm gonna be like, well, maybe we should hear them out. Maybe we should listen. Uh, so <laughs> like that's just that's just me. And that's always been who I am as a person because I understand history and how it works. Uh, R.I.P. Kissinger. Um, but <laughs> like me understanding what has led us up to this point of 9-11, even as young as I was, knowing something about how Americans work, it makes me say, mm, well, yeah, it's fucked up what they did, but maybe we should approach this in a way, like I said, there's way more, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, more uh, incisive, I guess. I like Christ-like. It, just, it no, just it needs to be more. Uh, it needs to be cleaner. Like y'all can't just be running around just shooting at everybody that don't look like that looks like who you hate, like who you think did it. Like you can't just shoot everybody who look like a Bin Laden. You know what I'm saying? You can't just go over there and turn their shit upside down looking for one dude. Like we need to kind of take a different approach to this yeah that that was really that was to think about that that is odd that because it's that, that, like at that, at that point that's a symbolic thing at that point like all that seal team six zero dark 30 thing it's like well i mean it's everything's already happened and like he holds he holds like no influence at this point so right the like ag- if you have an active shooter in a school do you blow up the entire school no you don't you don't yeah. do that you don't do that that's not that's not really effective but it's, it's like that stuff. like killing bin laden after all that was is, is sort of like that scene at the beginning of uh avengers endgame when thor cuts thanos's head off it's like well, right it's like everybody dead anyway dog. yeah he already got what he wanted <laughs> right he already got exactly what he wanted everybody's dead anyway just uh, yeah but it made it made us feel good when when John Cena came out 
in an ounce of Bin Laden was dead. That was pretty cool. Osama Bin Laden has been neutralized to a permanent end. Yeah. Um. Oh, those are the good days. Um. I mean, you know, I think just see us repeating the same mistakes over and over again as a species. It just seems stupid. I think John Cena's best days still lie before him. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, for us as a as a nation, for us as 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 uh, fans of John Cena, like I watched Peacemaker and I was like, well, I wasn't expecting this to be this good. And man, it was amazing. It was amazing. I said, yeah. what is this motley crew of, of yeah. just assorted spies, of misfit spies, going to do? about anything and I'm just yeah. like this is the best thing I've ever seen from a, a superhero series and Robert Patrick is like a uh, grand wizard who has like a TARDIS in his house that was cool well yeah I appreciate how the peacemaker came from a family of just straight up hardcore racists that it made sense to me it made a lot of things make sense sure uh, and I think it was an important moment for Americans. I think it, it should have caused a lot of our reflection. <laughs> Peacemaker. Like, yeah, look at yourselves, okay? You could be good people if you just weren't such assholes. Just sure. get to know someone other than yourself. Like, he makes his best friend is Danielle Brooks, a black lady. I'm like, see, see what happens? Oh, see yeah. What happens when you let black folks in your life and, and just, you know, realize we're just human beings. It's so much easier. Than being a piece of shit. I just love. I love Robert Patrick. I love him so much. I mean, he's a great actor. He's a great actor. But everybody did a great job. Even people that I was like, even Danielle Brooks, because Danielle Brooks, I loved her in Orange Is the New Black, and you know, in the Broadway stuff, like the Color Purple playing everything. But I wasn't sure what she was gonna do. Her her performance, I will say in that show, her performance dipped a little bit into CW territory. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Given. Given. Yeah, I could see I could see that a bit, but I was I was a little concerned about what she would do. But in the end, she pulled it out. She pulled it out, but it did get a little CW ish at times. Yeah, which I can't. I'm uh, like it's on. I I I think like the the medium of TV anyway is one where you should not really expect much anyway. Like, oh, never, never. You'll always yeah, be let down. Yeah, I, th- I think like The Sopranos and The Wire and Succession, like a lot of these prestige shows, kind of like warped people's idea of what tv is and is supposed to be because it's like tv really is tv should be cw shows like that's like the quality of just like trash just happy trash yeah it should be gossip girl <laughs> yeah i mean i used to watch supernatural all the time and it was like i mean the flash i watched it till the very end i watched the flash until that shit went off so, oh really i gave I up on it did. i was i was like jesus you if everybody is fast no one's fast to a certain extent i did feel that way i gave up on it in a certain way but i was like and fuck it i've I've made it's like it's like this across the spider verse shit where it's like okay well then everybody's spider-man now now everybody's spider and like i get well i gave up on arrow i definitely gave up on arrow and legends of tomorrow i couldn't even get into that but but yeah you know it's happy trash it's something that you watch when you have covid and you can't talk to people and you just need something which is how I wound up continuing to watch The Flash. I got COVID and I was isolated for a week. Yeah. But that's about that's about what TV should be because it's it's easily digestible. 
you know, it's 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 like you know, if movies are fine dining, if movies are, are going out and getting a nice like juicy porterhouse, then you know, TV is a baconator. You know, it's 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 fun. It's easy, it's easy to access. It goes down easy, and they just kind of make. Does it? goes down it doesn't go down that easy for me but again i, I have a, well, you, a different you get, kind of stuff. you get the metaphor you get the analogy i'm making here it's i only, I only have one stomach i feel like you have to have at least two to properly digest a baconator t- yeah t- tv is just, is just you know it's not necessarily uh good but it's fun this is kind of the idea yeah, and I think people put a little too much stock in it. Like they get very well, I and I say people, but it's me. Like I get very invested in series like like Loki became my entire life for the past couple months, you know, just Oh yeah. I just get way too invested. The Loki, boys, whenever that comes on, like I'm just way too much into it. Loki would be good if it wasn't like caught Doctor up who? in if if it wasn't Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, yeah, I guess there's that too. Doc, Doctor Who is back, and uh, yeah, they'll always be back. Doctor Who will never die. Yeah, people are upset. Uh, I don't know. I stopped watching it years ago. Yeah, for real. And they can die mad is how I feel about it. And it's like you can't get upset about TV. It's just television. Just turn the shit off. Watch something else, bitch. Like just yeah. What are you yelling about? Yeah, it's just junk food. You know, it's it's a uh, it's Dunkaroos. It's, Go take uh, care of your fucking children. Turn the TV off. Wash your ass or something. Clean up this damn house. Wash your damn ass. <laughs> like, you so bad at a TV, bitch. Live, do something about your raggedy ass life. Sure. Well, it's all anyone. It's all anyone has anymore. Is their stories? Isn't that sad? <laughs> like, isn't yeah. that just- isn't that just so, the most depressing thing? But I think that's why we have this this boom in. In, in television or in entertainment in general because people are so so dissatisfied with their own lives and they feel so powerless to kind of affect change it feels like it feels like nothing's good anymore like nothing's even like fun on tv now no. nothing's like, fun I, I, real life either. I don't know if you've been outside lately it's, it's no i haven't like but i watched i watched that second season of loki and i was just like you know they promised a lot and just did not deliver like, I I I feel I do not all the way agree. Like I get how you can feel that way, but I love season two. It was a bit of a it like the whole to. I hate that I'm even saying this, but the whole season was kind of like a Ouroboros, and I know they did that on purpose, like the snake eating his tail. Like I I get it. Like sure. I, I I get the gag, girl. I do, but you know it it was a bit of a a frustrating snake eating its tail situation at times and it's just we were in a loop that we couldn't get out of but i guess that was the theme of the show to get us to kind of to drag us into that experience of being trapped in a it definitely it definitely did feel like a season of doctor who yeah. like it, it had all of that because i i remember watching doctor who back in the day and they, they would do that like in, in a season have like some reveal at the end of the season that all these moments you've seen were part of some like like um, some, some bigger some larger you know moment yeah some like fucking in, time loop that they're caught in and it's a future a future version of somebody's been doing something and you know that kind of 
But I liked it though. I just I'm uh, unashamedly just a just a, a whore for Marvel, and I'm okay with that. Like the MCU, it has <laughs> a firm hold on my butthole, and that's all right. I'm I'm all right. I liked uh, uh, just stylistically. I really enjoyed Multiverse of Madness because it was directed by Sam yeah, Raimi. Hey gang, hope you're enjoying the inaugural episode of Two Breasts of Current Affairs uh, that we're that's going on so far. I think I think that's what we're going to call the show, uh, or a tale of two titties, or so- something. I hope you're enjoying the conversation between myself and my dear dear friend DDT. That will be a new show here on the Billionaire Podcast Network. Ching, bing, 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 did did fill her up. Uh, I'm chopping this one in half. Uh, What what you've just watched is the first half of this one. The second half is going to be over on the Patreon. Patreon.com slash cornfed with Dalton Pruitt. Uh, And for as little as $5 a month, you'll have access to the uh, second half of this show, plus all the premium episodes of Cornfed. Uh, along with tons of other bonus content. And so that's $5 a month. There's also a $10, $15, and $25 a month tier. Uh, and I won't spend too much time plugging that. Just to let, just doing this to let you know that the second half of this will be available over on the Patreon if you would like to hear the rest of mine and DD's enlightening and delightful, uh, nuanced, intelligent ass conversation. Once again, that's patreon.com slash cornfed with Dalton Pruitt. Uh, thank you. I, I love you. Goodbye. I believe. I believe I'll go back home I believe I believe I'll go back home Lord and knowledge to my good gal mama Lord I have done you wrong I'm gonna ring a Chinese yeah, man. Seeking I find my good gal over there. Riding Kokemo riding. I'm gonna ring a Chinese. Seeking I find my good gal over there. Says the good book tells me that I got a good gal in this world somewhere. All in the church bell is toning, yeah man, on one Sunday morning. Boy, that's old Pokemon. All in the church bell is toning, on one Sunday morning. All in some old dirty deacon, come and run that bell, stole my gallon gone. Lord, I woke up this morning with my paw grinding business in my hand. 
morning With my pork grinding business in my hand Lord, if you can't send me no woman Please send me some sissy man I'm gonna sing these blues, mama, yeah, man And I'm gonna lay them up on your shelf I'm gonna sing these blues, mama And I'm gonna lay them up on your shelf Lord, if you wanna hear these blues again, mama, well, you sure gonna sing them yourself 